Well, good evening, everyone. Again, I'm doing well. I'm not saying good morning anymore. I keep doing that. Um, today, we're going to be looking at a story involving King David. So, a raise of hands. Do you know who King David is? We've got quite a few good hands. If you don't know, King David was quite a prominent king in the Old Testament, uh, one who was known for his faithfulness to God. And I'm going to be telling this part of the story. If you, if you want to read it, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 6. But actually, to help us along, to make it a bit more interactive, I'm going to be telling the story uh, through a bit of my own words to try and paint a picture and get you all involved. So, there's King David, and it's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, a very, well, amazing... Uh, I don't know how to explain it, actually. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It carries the old, uh, the Ten Commandments that were given by God to Abraham on Mount Zion. Uh, and this was quite a, uh, what did I say? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's the added bits in. I meant to explain this very well. But it was given, by, it was given to Moses on the top of Mount Zion. Uh, and this was kept very sacred uh, by the Jews throughout all of the Old Testament. Now David has an important mission to come and get this back. So, I want actions. That's right. I don't know if you've ever done actions to songs and dancing, but today we're going to do actions to the story from the Old Testament. So, I'm going to ask you all, could you give me an action for King David? Be bold. Hey, everyone's quite keen on that. A crown for a king. How about the Ark of the Covenant? How can we do an action for the Ark of the Covenant? Ooh, we've got some interesting ones. We're going to go with that. Okay, this is like carrying the ark, the ark of the covenant. How about God? A action for God. And finally, an action for celebrating or dancing. What's your go-to? Oh, I like that one. So we got, <laughs> what was yours, Grace? <laughs> yeah. So an action like this to show celebrating or dancing. So once again, King David. So King or David. Ark of the covenant. God, and celebrating or dancing. Perfect. Right. Here is the story. So picture it in your minds. Um, and if we can have the map up as I do this. So King David set forth on an important mission to bring back the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, which is in Jerusalem. It had been held in Balar, which is also known as Kiraf Jerim for the last 92 years. So David assembled 30,000 men from Israel to bring back such an important gift from God. They played cassinets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals, and all celebrated as they traveled. God had previously, sorry, yeah, God. God had previously given specific instructions on how the ark should be carried. But David and his men instead decided, you're doing better than me, instead decided to use oxen to transport the ark all these miles. However, on the journey, the ark started to fall over, and one of the men named Uzar, who was alongside the ark, reached out to try and stop it. Because Uzar acted irreverently towards the ark and the presence and holiness of God was so strong, he fell to the ground and died beside the ark. David 
became afraid. You're all doing so well at this. He worried that having the ark back in the city of David would be a curse. So they instead stopped by the house of Obed-Edom and left the ark there. Three months later, David discovered that he was wrong. The ark turned out to be a great blessing. Obed-Edom's whole household had been blessed by God. So David returned to his mission and they continued to take the ark back to the city of David. Get ready. This time, David followed the instructions given by God that only the Levites were allowed to carry the ark. While this happened, though he would usually be dressed in his kingly robes, David decided to dress as everyone else. Once they entered the city of David, because he had so much joy in his heart, David danced before the ark of God with all of his might. Now David's wife, Michal, saw him dancing as he entered the city and was upset because he was not dressed or acting like a king. Michal confronted David about this later, but he responded, I was dancing before God, who chose me to be the ruler of God's people. I will dance before God. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, said David. Very good. You can take the map down now. Now, along this journey, David learnt an important lesson in what it means to follow God. He needed to remember to act in a loving way towards God, because at first he didn't respect God's instructions. And that made him afraid of what God could do. It made him afraid of the ark. But once he was reminded of how great and loving God actually is, that God's presence brings blessings and not a curse, he returned to rejoicing and wanted to do his best before God. He followed God's instructions and continued with his focus on God. Even his dancing and his celebrations, they were all for God. Now, I just wonder for you now, can I have a photo off of King Charles? If you're not quite picturing this today, could you picture a procession through London, all of the world watching, and King Charles started to dance? Yeah, it's quite a difficult thing to picture, but this is what David did. David, who has a really high position. We can't really imagine it today. Thank you for that photo. So in the end, David was not interested in how he looked before the large audience that he had before him. He wasn't trying to impress them with any more better ways to carry the ark than God had asked, or by dressing like a full royal king who is above everyone else as he shows off, quite impressively, the ark coming into his city. Though he was king, he did not think the most important thing right then was to be dignified. Instead, he dressed like everyone else. He celebrated and danced for God, danced for God with all his might, even if it might make him look embarrassing to all his citizens and even his wife. In that instance, God, David only had eyes for God. He didn't need to dress like a king before God because God is his king and he is God's creation. 
he was willing to be even more embarrassed to himself and to others for God. David learned to live his life with this in mind. And this was the important lesson. It's an audience of one. Now to help us symbolize this, I'm going to put this chair here. And maybe it will help me to remember that my audience right now, I still have God before me as I speak to you all. With an audience of one, the only one watching that David needed to be concerned about was God. So what does that mean? Well, let's say I was performing at the Royal Variety performance with King Charles. I'm sure I would not be worried about so many different people in the audience. I would be worried about King Charles. And actually, for our lives, it means that if we all imagine that our life, if you were on stage like I am now, that it wouldn't be all of you in the audience that maybe is the main focus on my mind, but like I said, it would be God. God is the one who is watching me, and I am the one who is wanting to do everything for God. But you'll be happy to know a few things. First of all, God isn't English. He doesn't sit there with a blank expression and not intervene. God isn't a grumpy manager waiting for us to slip up. God isn't even the strict teacher wanting us to just sit around and look smart. No, God is our loving Father, smiling as he watches us, encouraging us towards good things and wanting the best for us. That's the picture I see when I think God is my audience. So when I use that phrase, audience of one, it means that in every situation, we can remember that God is there in the room. And though it is important how we act before others, so much more important is how we act before our loving God, who is pleased when we act in faith and honor God. So, will we also learn the same lesson as David to live our life remembering that we have an audience of one? And what does this mean for us today? We aren't all kings. We don't have an ark to carry and something to dance in front of particularly. But there are big opportunities in our lives. And I believe strongly that Jesus speaks into this when he gives his sermon on the mount. So we're going to take a moment just to pause, reflect, and listen to some of Jesus' teachings. And Neil is going to come read for us. We're going to be reading Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, and then verses 16 to 24. Why don't you come over here? I'm passing past the part of the Lord's Prayer because we'll actually be coming to that later. So Matthew 6, 1 to 6, and then 16 to 24. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do, me, do be, not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show them that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the others. You cannot serve both God and money. What incredible words by Jesus that I think speak so well into what our worship can look like. Jesus speaks into so many areas of our lives where it becomes so easy to change how we act because others are watching. Sometimes we're trying to impress others or look better than others. Or even just the fact that we change how we are acting when we are out of eyesight. When we give to the needy, we do so before God, not for the praise of others. A reward from God for the good things we do is surely more than enough reason. If we picture that audience of one as we give, how great a reward is that? When we pray, we do not need to be speaking to anyone other than God. We do not need to be afraid of others thinking that we are not the most poetic or smartest or that we haven't remembered every name that we should have prayed for. We lift our prayers to God as we can and do so wherever we please. When we fast, we fast for God. Not to look more holy, not to show that we are more dedicated to our faith than others, but because we are doing so for our Father who is so pleased for us. When we give, it is not to display our righteousness, sharing our money and even giving to the church Though it is for God, we may have other intentions still where our focus is. Equally, when we don't give, Jesus reminds us that what we have here on, heaven, here on earth will fade. If we forget that everything we do can be done for God, then we can become concentrated on using our money to build our own wealth, when instead it could be used to build treasures in heaven growing God's kingdom and serving him. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What could be more healthy than our eyes to have our focus on God? If I was to keep looking at this chair and picturing God with me and all I do for him, surely I would have joy in my heart. And finally, we're reminded that we cannot serve two masters. Money so easily becomes our focus and our audience becomes making people see that we are successful or have lived a full life with the money that we have. 
We cannot live with an audience of two, three, four. Only God. Because once God is in the audience, nothing else even comes close. It's not that other people aren't important, but just in comparison, God is so much more. Just as David was before his subjects, his wife, and even himself, he still saw God above all of that. He was willing to be embarrassed and undignified for God's sake. So do any other situations come to mind in your life? How about when we worship together as a church? Patrick was talking about so many different forms of worship. And actually, we don't need to be so concerned about what the person next to us will think. If we don't have the best singing voice, that's not a reason not to sing. We don't need to be embarrassed if we actually want to dance before God. You all danced earlier. Maybe you didn't realize when I said, what was it? David danced before the ark of God. Bit of a dance. And I'm sure it wasn't easy to do that if you were thinking about everyone else around you. Maybe you go to school. Maybe you have so many different friends around you who are, it feels just watching your every move. They are your audience. Your teachers are your audience. What does it mean to be doing everything you do with an audience of one? Maybe it won't be so concerned about having the best clothes, chatting to the right people, impressing the right teachers. Work for some of us. Maybe it's someone asks you what you did at the weekend or if you even believe in God. We could proudly tell them that we went to church or even greater, that we follow Jesus. Is it too embarrassing to say to someone that Jesus is the reason that you have hope for life? What about our friends, our family, our positions of authority throughout our life? I'm sure that there are countless opportunities where we could remember to be doing things for God and letting go of the other audience that is stealing our time and our focus. So, as we close, I just want to ask you now to just take a moment to reflect and think about one of those opportunities. Do you have authority somewhere? Is there a situation that causes you anxiety and stress and you do not yet feel God is there? So close your eyes, think about that, and I'm just going to lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your presence is always with us. We thank you that you do not look down on us waiting for us to slip up, Lord, but that you are, yeah, you want to encourage us to good works. You are a loving Father. I pray that for this situation in our head, the different times, Lord, where we are acting for others and not for you, you would help to just give us confidence in that setting that we don't need to be anything else but your loving child, Lord, someone who follows you. Help us to become more undignified for your sake, Lord, that we might see your kingdom grow more and more. Amen.